Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. There's a new study found vegetarians who drink and smoke are still healthier than meat eaters. Huh. Mm. <laughs> Must be pretty annoying having dinner with someone who drinks and smokes and then is like, that chicken breast will kill you. <laughs> But it's good news because vegetarians have been feeling left out since people who love cryptocurrency became way more irritating. <laughs> no, I invested it. I know, I heard her. Yeah, good luck. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Uh, we got some out uh, annoying vegans. Way to go, crypto guy. <laughs> uh, this is kind of breaking news here before we get to what Joe's going to talk about. Um, so earlier this week, uh, I heard it yesterday, it was reported that Colonial Pipeline had not and would not pay the hackers the ransom money. Bloomberg is reporting in the last few minutes that they paid the hackers $5 million in Bitcoin. Contradicting reports earlier this week. Maybe they were trying to keep it secret and it leaked out. I don't know. Uh, But they paid them $5 bucks to get their pipeline back. Yeah, I understand why companies and institutions don't want to talk about it publicly. You don't want to say, hey, if you blackmail me, I'll pay. I get that, too. But if crime pays, there'll be a lot more crime. Yeah, I know it. It's tough, man. The good guys are definitely behind the bad guys when it comes to uh, the uh, the cyber blackmail. What do they call it? The uh, ransomware. It? Ransomware. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, hey, speaking of tech, though, I wanted to say a couple more things about. Uh, allegedly, Apple is working with this Rockley Phototonics company, and it, it's thought that future Apple watches will monitor blood pressure, blood sugar, and alcohol levels, among other things. Uh, these Mark people... of the Beast, that's what an Apple Watch is. I oh, see somebody with God an Apple sake. Watch, I just think M-O-B. Oh, boy. Have you it not uses... read the Bible? Oh, Lord. <laughs> now, the Bible! Here come the emails. Here they come, and I get to look at them. Great, thanks. Uh, they use um, uh, infrared uh, sensors that shine through your skin and can see all sorts of stuff in your blood. That won't give you cancer. Nothing counts so much as blood. That's right, Gene. Gene Hackman there. Oscar winner, maybe. I don't know. Including body temperature, blood pressure, and glucose, alcohol, and oxygen levels in the blood. I think actually having a a, a rating on your wrist all the time of your blood alcohol level would be amazing. (laughs) It's not enough to make me try drinking again, but uh, it would be really cool. I'll send you videos, or we can hang out, and I'll just take a swig, waiting, waiting, waiting. There it is! And I think it could be great for the whole, you know, geez, I'm drunker than I thought I was. Yes. I'm just drunk. I will be arrested if I drive at this level. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's, I think that's good. And plus, obesity is such an enormous problem, no pun intended, in the United States, um, all over the world, really, increasingly. But it's such a big problem in this country. If you could see that... It is a weighty issue. Look at look at my blood sugar. I'm, I'm heading toward uh, diabetes. I think that'd be wonderful. So anyway, uh, during blah, blah, blah. Joe's while Joe talked about that, we had B-roll of heavy people walking down the street like they <laughs> from, do on the news from behind, so you can't see their and face. The neck down, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah just from the neck down to the knees, right. they just show the middle of bodies walking down the street of really big people as they talk about obesity. Oh, obesity, right. <laughs> Right, and if it's your favorite news channel, it's obesity B-roll you've already seen a hundred times. There's the fat guy in the blue shorts again. There's the fat gal in the flowered top again. 
Anyway, all right, change the topic. I found that very interesting. From the science desk. Oh, let's stay at the science desk. Uh, you're going to hear uh, Susan Collins, the senator from Maine, who we played uh, a couple of days ago talking about the CDC and their guidelines and the rest of it, and Sanjay Gupta of CNN as well. And clip 15, please. I used to have the utmost respect for the guidance from the CDC. I always considered the CDC to be the gold standard. I don't anymore. Well, how would you? I mean, Sanjay, there are many people who agree with her. What do you think? Yeah, it, it, it pains me to, to say this, but I, I, I see where she's coming from, uh, Senator Collins, on this. I mean, I think for a long time, the concern was the CDC was providing guidance, you know, at the beginning of the pandemic that was not scientifically based, and as a result, we didn't do things that we should have done in this country that could have greatly mitigated what has happened here. And now I think it's almost a little bit of the reverse problem. Uh, the science is not necessarily being followed to the same extent. And as a result, we're probably doing things that we don't need to be doing. So, you know, in the end, the CDC needs to be just a science-based organization. What does the science say? You don't need to wear a mask outside. It's just one of these things that, you know, again, we've known this for some time. How many people on TV, on different places, including CNN, need to say you don't need to wear a mask outside, and people will continue to be wearing masks outside or mandated to in various places? And looking at you like you're an axe murderer if you don't have a mask in an open-air park. Exactly. But back to the CDC. Yeah, so they uh, told us not to masks, wear masks in the meeting when we should have, and now they're telling us to wear masks when we don't need to. Nice yeah. job. And so it makes you wonder, this is the first time we've all ever really taken a look at the CDC, right? They've been giving us guidelines on how much red meat to eat and how many push-ups to do forever. Eh, shut up. How wrong have they been about all that stuff? Yeah, I don't know. I have no idea. But they are committing credibility suicide right now. And I, I mean suicide, because if something crazy happens, there's a variant or whatever in the fall, and they start issuing pronouncements, at least half of America is going to say, we're tired of you. Oh, sure. You, you, just, you make crap up. Oh, sure. So. At the very least, you'll be very skeptical. So on a somewhat similar topic, or at least tangentially similar, I've mentioned a piece by Matt Welch in uh, at Reason.com a couple of times. It's uncharacteristically long for Reason. It's half a book, but it's about the equity mess. And he points out Kamala Harris, who was talking about uh, women are disproportionately affected by the COVID and blah, blah, blah. We need uh, free child care and free this and free that, of course. Um, but he mentions that, like economic restrictions, school closures are jarringly partisan. Uh, the Brookings Institution, which is a left-leaning think tank, found uh, recently there is no rela- relationship visually or statistically between school districts reopening decisions and their county's COVID-19 cases per capita. In contrast, there is a strong relationship visually and statistically between districts reopening decisions and the county-level support for Donald Trump. That's astounding. A follow-up study in the fall by Education Next found the exact same leading correlation with the second biggest factor being the political strength of the local teachers' union. I'm sure that will just shock you to your core. As with economic lockdowns, here's where he really brings it home, with the help of a liberal columnist in the New York Times, by the way. As with the economic lockdowns, these blue state school closures have disproportionately harmed poor and minority children. And this is William Kristoff in the freaking New York Times. The blunt fact is that it is Democrats, including those who run the West Coast, from California through Oregon to Washington State, who have presided over one of the worst blows to the education of disadvantaged Americans in history, writes New York Times wow. columnist Nicholas Kristof. Wow, that's some strong language. I'm surprised I missed this. That That is amazing. Will, will there ever be, ever be a 
price to pay for this? Will anybody pay a price? Will the teachers' unions lose any power? Will anybody get voted out of office over this? Because it is, it's awful. It's awful what they did to kids in general, and in specific uh, disadvantaged kids. In response to your question, I would say it's unlikely they'll pay a price because a guy like Nicholas Kristof, he sticks his head up in the New York Times and goes against the uh, you know the dogma of the left and says, who's with me? And looks around and doesn't see anybody with him, I don't think. Read that last part he said again. I insist. Uh, the blunt fact is that it is Democrats, including those who run the West Coast, from California through Oregon to Washington State, who have presided over one of the worst blows to the education of disadvantaged Americans in history. He goes on to say, the result, more dropouts, less literacy, and and numeracy. Mm. Widening race gaps and long-term harm to some of our most marginalized youth. And then getting back to Matt Welch writing, yet instead of confronting and attempting to roll back that glaring inequity, the Biden administration has actively made it worse. Oh, no doubt. And still will not say uh, committed to schools being open next fall, which is just mind-blowing. Right. Right. They mentioned some of the CDC guidance that the kids have to stay six feet apart as opposed to three feet advocated by the World Health Organization, which is his own pile of crap. But most governments worldwide have agreed with that assessment. And then he gets into how the teachers union nakedly, and we talked about this, wrote policy for the CDC on how schools would be reopened, keeping in mind that there are thousands of private schools operating perfectly well with the kids three feet apart actively participating in, in sports and, and recess and the rest of it, and everybody's fine. It is it is a crime against children. It's historic, as Nicholas Kristof says. It's amazing. I mean, there's a lot more to this, and I'd, I would love to uh, share it with you at some point. But, um, oh, <laughs> they were preventing kids from playing outside when that was by far the best thing they could do. Outdoor play, not just safe, but essential for reducing the spread of the virus and increasing the well-being of children. And yet, blue states like California kept police tape around playgrounds well into the fall. Unbelievable. And it's all about Trump. Well, that's not true. If you read uh, Thomas Sowell's A Conflict of Visions, there are different kinds of people. Uh, they have a different mindset about humanity, about the world. And if you have the one mindset, you tend to be conservative. If you have the other, you tend to be liberal. Although there's a now a split between liberals and woke liberals. That's really, really interesting. But it's an incredible c- crime against the kids. We've said it a hundred times, so I'll let it drop. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm sorry. I won't let it drop. The fact that it happened angers me. The fact that no price will be paid and very few Americans are aware of it or even have comprehended what happened and why it happened that 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 makes me nuts i can't even think about it right i anyway. there will be a lot more discussion of this <clears throat> i'm i'm going to assume that most schools will be open next year like normal but i assumed that for this year and was sure wrong um it's going to be quite the ongoing conversation as schools try to figure out how to deal with these kids how the hell do you teach a room full of fifth graders, some of whom are still third graders? Right. Right. And particularly poor and minority children, disproportionately. What are you going to do with that? Lower standards? Pretend they're doing okay? Inflate grades? Cover-ups? I don't know. It's a hell of a challenge. I think there'll be a lot of passing along people 
who aren't ready for the, for the next grade. But man, oh man. Meanwhile, the folks in the red states and the private schools are going to be saying, wow, that's too bad for you guys. That, that's terrible. I feel bad for those kids. And then they'll get back to teaching because everybody's fine. You any comment on that? Our text line is 415-295-KFTC. We have to do another round of Preakness Horse or Streaming Show. And <laughs> Die Yuppie Scum, a famous phrase of what, the 80s, early 90s? Sounds about right. Uh, has become by yuppie scum as 90s rich guy gear is back in style. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. Stay tuned for that. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Everyone's waiting to see it coming. There were five young children found here on your property. I mean, right. so what is it that you're dealing with consistently? From- uh, we're dealing with that all the time, but this is the first time we've actually found the babies. little babies by themselves. Describe to me the day that you all found them. I had one guy working in this area, and I thought I'll go check on him. About 8.30, I came the way we came in right there, and... Just happened to look over, and there they were. And uh, they had been there since uh, the afternoon before, so they had been there all night. So they were out here all night alone. No food, no water, no supervision or anything. Wow, five little kids, very, very little kids, found abandoned by the coyotes or or God knows what. Oldest, seven. On the and, Texas border. And yeah. one crawling on her little hands and knees through the, uh, the the dirt and the brush and everything like that. Unbelievable. Yeah, they, they went on to uh, issue a message to the White House in clip 41. What would your message be to President Biden and to his administration about how serious the situation is here? Well, he needs, he needs to shut it down. I mean, it's just going to get worse and worse. I mean, there, there's no end to it. Not going to be. Yeah. We're not, I don't feel like we're even, we're a sovereign nation anymore. We don't have a border down here in the South. There is no border. What do you think he needs to do? Shut it down. Stop it. Go, it. go back to at least like uh, Trump, Trump had. It was mm-hmm. working pretty good. Yeah. And what is your worst fear if he doesn't? Oh. It's going to get bad this summer. We're going to find them dead around here instead. Luckily, I found those alive. The story of the border is getting shockingly little coverage. Right. Um, does it fit together with the, at all with the Israel getting uh, shockingly little coverage? For instance, uh, Steve Krakauer, who's been with, geez, I don't know, practically every media organization you can think of at various times, but he tweeted out, Cable News Primetime, 8 to 11, is the marquee time slot for news. The most important story in the world right now is what's happening in and around Israel. How many times did Israel get mentioned last night in prime time? On Fox News, it got mentioned nine times. On CNN, zero. On MSNBC, zero. Wow. Pathetic, he says. Now, I don't know that I... Well, I'm pretty sure I don't agree that the Israel story is the most important story in the world right now. Mm -mm, No. It was when I was a kid. So why wouldn't it be now? Why is it not the most important? When I was when I was a kid that was on the news every dang night when my dad would turn on the news, there was always something about what's going on in Israel. You know what? Okay, let's talk about that. Then I want to circle back to the border. But um, 
I think part of it is that <clears throat> when we were younger, younger adults, younger kids, there was a belief that there could be peace brought to the Middle East. Yasser Arafat would sit down with Menachem Begin, and they would actually come to a peace deal that would stick. Famously, uh, Arafat rejected it at the last second to the shock and horror of uh, the, the negotiators. And I just don't think there's a perception that it's it's going to be fixed. Yeah, I, I know people that were I know a lot of people were legit wanted that problem fixed, but also you know unrest in the Middle East meant higher oil prices and higher gas prices, and that doesn't mean that anymore because we are self-supporting in that way. That's an excellent point. Um, and you know that's part of it. But are we just so inwardly focused on? You know our domestic politics that the, the the border and Israel and stuff like that just doesn't just doesn't cut it anymore. I don't know. Politics is about personalities now, not issues. I think that's uh-huh. also part of it. it. By the way, I mentioned earlier. I think there's an unspoken truth behind the Israeli situation at this point. You mentioned the settlements and the rest, and and they're tough to take and seem like a bad move if you're moving towards some sort of peace deal. I think the Israeli people, or at least to a large extent the politicians, have decided there's never going to be a meaningful peace deal with these people. We are just going to grow. We are going to expand. We are going to swallow them. Expansion is their only option. Seems to be the case. Anyway, meanwhile, back in the border, anybody got a uh, nylon string guitar, play a little Mexican-sounding riff or anything? Meanwhile, back at the border, apprehensions in April, 178,622 in one month. Highest one-month total in two decades. Wow. And disaster. hardly any attention in the news. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I keep going back to a tweet that uh, Tim Sandifer retweeted yesterday in my mind where it said something along the lines of, you know there's a Democrat in the White House when you've got the fastest rising inflation in however many years, and uh, you know a border crisis and Israel bliss and that, and the, the only story on the news is the Republicans number three in the House has been yeah. voted out. And uh, I came across this tweet from somebody. Can all the people making predictions about what removing Liz Cheney will do to the GOP going forward literally ask 10 people outside if they've ever heard of Liz Cheney? No one cares about this inside baseball. No one's voting or not voting GOP because Liz Cheney stopped. I, I don't, I, I'll bet most people I know, the vast majority of people that I hang out with, would not have the slightest idea who she was. Yeah. That doesn't mean it's yeah. not important, but there are a lot of really important things happening. They got eclipsed by that in the last 48 hours. Sure, yeah, it indicates something. It's a sign of something and worth discussing, but not fixating on. Gladys, grab your bugle, Gladys! And they're on the track! The Preakness Stakes. The s- Why do I know that the Preakness Stakes are the second leg of the Triple Crown? Everybody knows that. Some because you're a member of... They're a member of the horsey set, of course. Yeah, and they did, they, 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 Horse racing did a good job of convincing us all that this is a big deal and everybody knowing about it, didn't they? I mean, since I was oh, a little yeah. kid, I've known about the Triple Crown and the three races. It's really quite sure. amazing. Sure. Anyway, the Preakness Stakes are this weekend. And what is the game here, Sean? I will give you a name, and you must tell me if this name belongs to a uh, horse that is competing in the Preakness Stakes 
or if it is the name of a streaming program on a various streaming service. This is impossible. You just have to guess. <laughs> so, Jack, we'll, we'll, we'll start off with you. Uh, currently, Joe is up two to one. Yeah, I'm two for two. Guess nothing. You're just jealous. Uh, let's see. Uh, Joe, we will go. Yes. No, Jack, we will start with you, Jack. Uh, let's go with Shadow and Bone. Is Shadow and Bone. 100% a guess. <laughs> I'll say horse. A horse, no. Dark forces conspire against an orphan map maker when she unleashes an extraordinary power that could change the fate of her war-torn world on Netflix. An orphan map maker. There you go. Wow. All right, Joe, how about Jupiter's Legacy? Is Jupiter's Legacy a Preakness racehorse or a streaming program? Or a Maroon 5 album title. That is, uh, that's We're doing that for the Belmont. Yeah, yeah, I, I gotta say that's a, mm, that's a, that's a horse right there. The first generation of superheroes has kept the world safe for nearly a century. Damn now their children must live up to their legacy in an epic drama that spans decades. <laughs> oh, boy. On Netflix. Oh, so the, the, the first miss for, for Joe there. All right, back, back to you, Jack. Uh, how about, uh, Keep me in mind. Is keep me in mind a horse mm. or a Netflix streaming show? That sounds like uh. a Netflix show to me. You are really bad at this. That is a racehorse, fifteen to one odds. Uh, if you saw it written, you would have known because it does the horse thing where there's no spaces no, in it; it's all in one no, word. No, that's a forty-year-old yes. single mother of two who reconnects with ex-boyfriends through Facebook, and hilarity ensues. Right, or Joe. tears. I don't know which. I, I, it sounded to me like a, like a oldster dealing with dementia and heartbreaking oh, coming wow, of yes, age. Something, yes, yeah. Yes. Uh, Joe, back to you. We will go with Big Shot. Is Big Shot a horse competing in the Preakness, or is it a streaming program? Oh, no, that's that's a well-received drama. Everybody's talking about Big Shot. Everybody (laughs) loves that show. Well, you are right that it is a show. I don't know how well-received it is. A a temperamental college basketball coach who gets fired from his job and must take a teaching and coaching job at an elite all-girls private school starring John Stamos. That's available on Amazon. Starring John Stamos, absolutely. (laughs) The great John Stamos, yes. We'll do more of that next hour. So this is just across the wire. We were talking last hour about how a lot of the squad is really pro-Palestinian and went after their own president, Joe Biden, the guy, you know, the head of their own party yesterday, when he said Israel has a right to defend himself. And AOC and uh, Tlaib and... Um, uh, Ayanna Presley was involved, I think. Is that a horse or a streaming show? Ayanna Presley, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, who, who said rough things. So apparently... Today, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Republican, QAnon, got into it with AOC, uh, D, um, bartender, um, over the whole thing back and forth with the tweets about Israel and stuff like that. Got into a shouting match. Nancy Pelosi suggests the House Ethics Committee should investigate Marjorie Taylor Greene for verbal assault and abuse of AOC in a confrontation that happened outside the House chamber this morning. This is beneath the dignity of the person serving the Congress of the United States. Oh, my. So uh, people are getting heated over that. I don't remember people that were elected officials in the House or the Senate ever being so outwardly pro-Palestinian. Right. Is this in the past. The woke wing sees Biden as one thing. The guy who could beat Trump. That's it. Now, his usefulness to them is gone. They want to take over the party. Israel has deployed combat troops to the Gaza border. Plans for a possible ground invasion are being presented to the general staff for approval today. A ground invasion will be exciting. Oh, bloody terrible. Yeah. Oh, and this uh, this just across, too, that the Hamas 
is started to use suicide drones to attack border communities in the southern Israel. It's a new escalation of a weapon systems that they had not been used in the past. So they have Got drones it. now. Okay, the drones blow themselves up? I guess. Okay. Yeah. All right, I guess that's a twist, but, uh, yeah. Mm. If a machine dies, is that suicide? I don't remember if we mentioned this for the whole country, uh, our entire national platform, or just our local show, but it's worth mentioning if you haven't heard it, because I'll bet it's happening in other places around the country. In San Francisco, at one school, they're going to have seniors come back for one day so that they qualify for some of the money that's being given out to schools that open up. So to encourage schools to open up, there's federal and state money. This school is going to get $12 million for having the high school seniors return for one day of non-instruction. We all know what the last day of school is like. Right. Um, non-instruction, but they will get their $12 million for bringing the kids back for one day. How do you like them apples? Now, that's a group of people that care about the kids right there. So you have to bribe them to do what is clearly medically and scientifically fine, and then they don't even comply with anything close to the spirit of it. That's sickening. Yeah, keep supporting public schools. They're just wonderful. Oh, did you hear this story? Also out of Cal Unicornia. East Bay kindergarten teachers emailed a family's Monday, offered them an update. She was headed to Mexico for 12 days to attend her son's wedding, and while she would teach remotely from there, her online classes would be canceled on certain days because of travel and some of the family activities, so the students should work on their own. Now, this teacher who opted to stay home, no medical excuse, no medical waivers are even asked for at the West Contra Costa Unified School. She just said, no, I'm preferring to teaching, I prefer to teach from home. Since that, sent out an email saying, I'll be teaching from Mexico for a while and I'll cancel class occasionally. All supplies and materials will be provided ahead of time for any class activities that take place while I'm out of the country. Please contact me if you have any concerns. Wishing you a sunny week ahead. So uh, the message stunned parents in the class, according to the San Francisco Chironicle. I have no doubt that it did. According to a family at the school and an education advocacy group before hitting social media where parents and supporters of reopening schools, well, to put it politely, questioned why the teacher could not be in her classroom, but she could travel through Mexico. Awesome. That's just beautiful. These people should be paying a price for this. You should have to pay for a, a pay a price for making it obvious you do not care about children when that's what you're getting paid to do. Oh yeah, yeah. It's disgusting. It is well as we mentioned last hour, as Nicholas Kristof, liberal of the New York Times, put it. It's the greatest crime against the education of children in our nation's history. Two more stories I want to jam in before we take a break. One in China. They have bid farewell to the legendary strong-willed pig who survived an earthquake. I don't, mm. I don't know about the legendary strong-willed pig. <laughs> oh, but, that bad pig's will. Iron will, that pig. But, oh. uh, strong-willed pig. Anyway, that's a good band name right there. Um, <laughs> the and, important thing is that the lessons we've learned from that hog will continue to resonate in our hearts. And this... With the announcement of the 2021 inductees to the Hall of Fame, fans of singer-songwriter Pat Benatar are angry and blowing up Twitter that she is yet to be inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. If you're wondering who's feeling left out, it's this little girl, Pat Benatar. Okay, that's good. Uh, quick message to Pat Benatar fans. Uh, she was fine. The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is stupid. Find something real to be angry about. 
I in uh, uh, years ago I would have said Pat Benatar doesn't belong in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but at this point with all the people that they've let in, how does she not? There's yeah. all kinds of crap acts in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I am fastly, quickly, at some rate of speed, I am approaching the point where I think all Hall of Fames are stupid. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. Well, it's like a lot of stuff around uh, sports, music, entertainment, whatever. They 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 kind of couch it in some sort of. Like this is beyond just a money making thing. This is this is like you know, come down from the heavens. This yes, is, this there's is a, a righteousness to it, or yeah, a, and a holiness. No, just somebody thought, hey, I'll bet if we if we put a bunch of statues of baseball players and like you know, claim these are the best of the best, we can charge people to get in. Where should we put it? Upstate New York. <laughs> <laughs> and they did the same thing with all the sports and music and right. Yeah, it right. doesn't mean anything. I've not been to any of the halls of fame. Other the sports than the rock halls and roll. Fame. When I was a younger man, I really wanted to do that. I'm surprised I never did. At this point, eh, I'd go. If my kids wanted to go, I'd go. But it's not a dream. I'll tell you what. The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame soured me. I thought it sucked. You, you liked it more than I did. I <laughs> oh, just yeah, thought, I thought it was I... sucked out loud. Maybe my expectations were too high, but I just... Eh. I, I, I would call it amusing, uh, kind of mediocre. I saw, you know, Joe Strummer's guitar from The Clash that, that he played on various albums, and I could look at it and where the frets were worn. It was, it, was, it was cool, but I wouldn't go to Cleveland to go to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. There was a Pink Floyd display that was really cool, too, but um, that's fine. It's an amusing afternoon. Go or don't. <laughs> were there wax statues of the artists? Exactly. So you could see them life-size. Uh, no, there weren't. There weren't. The thing that stands out to me, and I've mentioned this before, is how tiny the musicians were in the 60s. They had like 22-inch waist pants. Well, we were a lot thinner people. They're all heroin addicts also, but um, we were just smaller people. Yeah, yeah. No big old sweatpants. <laughs> Did Meatloaf? Keith Richards. I didn't, I didn't remember seeing Meatloaf's pants while we were there. Yeah, he, had, he has got some pretty good-sized trousers. <laughs> No doubt. He's a bigger man. What's a boy going to (laughs) do? Oh, geez. Uh, How far is Bitcoin tanked uh, after Elon Musk said Tesla's going to stop accepting it and why? But the market has rebounded today after a pretty big drop yesterday, so I'm glad to hear that. Armstrong and Getty. New York Governor Andrew Cuomo announced plans this week to roll out pop-up coronavirus vaccination sites at trains and subway stations because you're not a real New Yorker until you've been poked by a needle on the subway. You, jeez. Yikes, didn't see that coming. Uh, If I don't say this now, I will forget, so I'm going to say it now. All right. At armstrongandgetty.com. We have posted an extra-large podcast, a conversation with one of our favorite people in the world, Neil Ferguson, historian, writer, thinker. Uh, it's about it's about disasters and how we respond to them and how governments respond to them. It's called Doom, uh, the Politics of Catastrophe, and uh, again, that's at armstrongandgetty.com. Breaking news, Chicago has released more than a 1,000 feral cats onto the streets, hoping to end its long-running ranking as the rat capital of the United States. I mean, how do you like that? That can't possibly go sideways. Thousand feral cats. I think you need more. Chicago's awful big. I think you need more cats than that. But well, feral cats make more feral cats. That's the beauty of feral cats. True that. 
So um, we mentioned earlier. I don't know. I had heard. I had heard that Colonial Pipeline was not, did not, and was not going to pay the hackers. So it was I'm, ransomware. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. One more thought. Okay. If you're a disreputable pit bull breeder in Chicago, the city is going to be calling you in about six oh months. Oh my God, that's gruesome. <laughs> That's the worst it, thing you've ever said. They're going to send out an army of feral cats? That's insane. And then the pit bulls breed, and you got to bring tigers in. <laughs> Where does it end? My point exactly. Mm-hmm. Sorry, you were trying to say something relevant and important about the ransomware in the pipeline. We've been having this discussion all week long. I'm, I'm saying we can't get in the habit of paying ransom from these hackers... When they hack into our schools, our hospitals, our cities, our whatever, and now the biggest pipeline in America, we can't pay them. Or we'll just have more of them. And we got to end it like piracy. you got to get brutal. we got to get brutal. we got to put an end to this. Well, I actually heard something yesterday that could do it. But first of all, the story had been reported that Colonial Pipeline was not going to pay the hackers. Bloomberg is reporting today that Colonial Pipeline not only would, they have. They paid $5 million in Bitcoin. Bitcoin tank today. Elon Musk said it's uh, he's out, so Bitcoin tank. <laughs> Hackers, you didn't get what you thought you were going to get. <laughs> All that hacking for nothing. Anyway, so I'm listening to a podcast yesterday where they're talking to this guy that I really want to have on the show, whose uh, name is, it doesn't really matter what his name is, but I'm going to look up anyway. It matters to him. <laughs> matters to his mother. You're right. It does matter to him. His name is Klon Kitchen, and he's a uh, a thinker. He's a fellow with AEI. All right, who we have we have people on from there regularly, and he was in. He was a spook in the military. He knows a lot about this stuff. I was ha- very happy to hear on this podcast. He was saying, "Look, we have the best of the best at all this. We've been doing serious damages to countries around the world for years now." Trump, when he came in, signed an executive order. That basically said, gloves are off, do what you can do to disrupt these people. And our people who are really, really good, according to him, um, have been going after Russia and China and everybody for all these years. And for all kinds of reasons that you probably can imagine, Russia and China doesn't publicize when we, you know, mess up one of their pipelines or, uh, you know, whatever we do. Mm-hmm. So anyway, we're really good at it. I was happy to hear that. But the conversation came up with how do you stop the ransom where and the ransom attacks in the United States? And uh, Jonah Goldberg from the Dispatch brought up letters of Mark as if I knew what that was. And they just kept discussing it. And I thought, you want to stop at some point and inform some of your listeners what the hell you're talking about? So I did a Google search on it. It is in the Constitution, as they were talking about on the uh, on the podcast. It hasn't huh. been used since the 1860s. But it's how we dealt with the pirates back in the day. It's in the Constitution, letters of Mark. The government can issue letters of Mark to private citizens to say you're allowed to cross international boundaries and do what you got to do to stop this crime wow license to kill more or less and we did it with the pirates like jefferson issued letters of mark so people could go after pirates wherever they had to go after them if your company is constant it's all it's exactly the same as the pipeline we we used to have companies that would you know you're going to send tea to great britain or whatever you're going to send lumber to great britain Uh pirates would take the ship and take everything well, what do you do about that? How do you stop that? Letters of Mark. You let the say, company, you need to stop this from happening. The government is giving you permission to do that. We, we don't feel it rises to the level of we want to go to war about it or get our military involved, but you want to pay for it, you can stop it on your own. 
1863, there was some sort of worldwide treaty where the world decided that these, this was a bad idea and we haven't done it, but it's still in the Constitution, the wow. U.S. Constitution. That's funny. I, I, I've read the Constitution. I have no recollection of I'm that. Sure probably I... because the phrase meant nothing to me. Yeah, exactly. I probably skipped over it. Um, and Mark is spelled M-A-R-Q-U-E. He pronounced it Mark. I would have pronounced it probably Mark A or something if I was reading it, but it, he said letters of Mark. And it was very popular during the Age of Sail, but um, S-A-I-L. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're discussing, is this something we could do where companies that have billions of dollars at stake and billions of dollars at their disposal. You look at Microsoft, how much damage was done to these companies by the the, the Northern Winds, Southern Winds, what was that hack? Uh, yeah, yeah, Solar I remember. Winds. Solar, Solar Winds, Winds biggest yeah. hack in world history. They've got these companies have billions of dollars. They could hire some pretty badass former Mossad people to go figure out who did this and put a hole in their eye. <laughs> Label this part of the podcast Jack Sanctions Corporate Hit Squads. Yes. Good Lord, man. With a letter Barbaric. of Mark certified by the U.S. Constitution. I'm already working on my Netflix pitch called Letter of Mark, where the main character is played by Liam Neeson. He, his name is Mark, and he's the guy who goes out and does all this stuff. The of Mark. Not if I beat you to the punch with my rap album, Letters of Marquet, in which I am on the cover wearing many chains. Well, you laugh, but we have to do something. Paying the ransom to them, just like allowing the pirates to just, well, I guess they took all our lumber. We'll try to send another boat across. Oh, yeah, but you can find too. pirates. It's tough to find hackers. You start throwing enough money around, people will squeal, people will talk. Sing like a bird, and then you know what you do. You put one in their eye like Osama Bin Laden. As usual. Armstrong and Getty.